Michael and Heifert present This Week in Horror. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Heifert. And I'm Sickle, and we're Sickle and Heifert. We're the Unhallowed Reviewers. We've got a good chunk of stuff to talk about today. And it looks like we're going we're gonna to get angry a little bit. We're going to start with something fun, though. Something I think that was fun. <laughs> I this reminds this 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 whole thing reminds me of the phasmophobia, phantasmophobia, like listening to your mic while you're talking in game thing. So I'm excited to hear your experience with it. <laughs> well, oh, uh, oh, I haven't actually tried this. Oh. I I just I just heard about it. I don't know if I, I there, there's something about like the actual interaction, you know. I mean, there was something that I think that I promised I was going to do in like our second episode, and I still haven't done that yet. I oh, yeah, it was the whole, like, uh, sitting in a dark room or something thing. Yes, yeah, you're supposed to, like, sit in a dark room and, like, stare into a mirror with, like, the right amount of dim light and all this, and it's supposed to make you, like, see stuff in your reflection. And cool. I'm still going to do it. I just haven't set it up yet because I'm lazy. Do it tomorrow. Okay, all right, but I'm not going to. We all I'll know it's it. not going to happen tomorrow. But... Anyway, so this thing... <laughs> this thing is that... Um some marketing, some pretty cool marketing for the new Candyman movie, um, that, uh, if you say, uh, Candyman five times into your microphone on, like, their promo site, it launches the final trailer for it, and I thought that that was really, really creative, and I don't know, I always appreciate stuff like that, where I think that there were a couple of, like, I know everybody, you know, hates the guy, or not everybody, but some people don't like the guy, um, J.J. Abrams does that a lot with some of his stuff, where he, like, releases, like, little clues and stuff, and if you, like, piece it all together, then you get something extra, mm-hmm. you know, some little spoiler or something before the movie comes out. And I, I love that kind of stuff where you get to interact with your audience and um, your fan base, and I don't know. I feel like horror and sci-fi especially, those crowds really appreciate that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a puzzle room, but without the, the room kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and everybody gets to, like, and, and like, you know... The internet sleuths love to, like, get together and solve that kind of stuff. And I love to reap the benefits of them solving it. And I just get to enjoy it after the fact. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, uh, I I have not been involved in anything quite like that. But that's I do agree that it, putting that little bit of effort into your marketing makes me feel like I, I don't hate you as much relative to the next thing that we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, like even like I haven't been crazy excited about the new Candyman movie, but that did amp it up, amp it up a little bit for me. I'm like, oh, cool! You guys put this like a little bit of extra effort into it, and it makes me feel like, you know, if you did that for your marketing, you probably maybe hopefully did that for your movie. You as, know, some, as, as someone who wasn't completely beholden to like the Candyman series, I'm actually getting like slowly more interested in seeing this movie just because I hope it's like its own thing, you know, and I'm interested to see like. I don't know if it will be because I've only seen the first movie once and I haven't seen the second one, but I like, I'm, I don't know, kind of interested in it, you know, I, I don't know. After watching The Night House, which we can talk about, I'm slowly falling back into maybe being more interested in some movies that don't just have crazy monsters or anything, you know? <laughs> so Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, so the next part that's not so good is that, like, we've been experiencing these COVID-based delays of movies for a long time, and some of them, like... Okay, let's. I'm not going to say some of them. Damn you, antlers! It's justified in certain cases, and I don't want to be like persnickety about which ones are go and which ones are no go. I don't care about that. I'm just saying, like, 
you know, it's it's hard to if you're promoting like people going to a dangerous place to participate in your activity, that's probably not okay, and that's kind of what it was like to, you know, force people to go to theaters. So delaying them during the height was was quite, was good, and it's starting to get there again. But like everybody nowadays now has like kind of like set up the the theaters and things like that to be more protective and to be more cautious. And there's vaccines now and vaccinations and stuff like that. And so like. I'm getting a little more frustrated when people keep using, like, COVID as an excuse not to release a movie, and specifically around, like, theater-strict releases, because I think HBO is doing it the right way. Like, I've, I love it. Like, HBO's, like, version of, of, like, promoting a movie at the same time it's in theater, or sorry, showing a movie on HBO Max at the same time it's in theaters, if you have a Max subscription, is perfect, because... If I don't feel comfortable or, you know, don't want to go to a theater, I cannot see it, but I still get to go if I want to, right? If I want to see a movie in theater, I can. And so when Ghostbusters got pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, I was frustrated and I was like, come on, I just want to see this movie. Like at this point, I don't even care about the movie anymore. I'm like having trouble caring about it and the reviews coming out are so it's really good. And I'm like, gosh, I wish I could get excited for it, right? And then you have the whole, um, what is her name? Oh my gosh. Um. Natasha Romanoff, Natalie, what is her name? What? Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson, yeah. thank you. I don't know why I said Natalie. <laughs> Natalie Portman or something is what I'm thinking. Scarlett <laughs> Johansson, like, suing Disney and some of the other people suing Disney as well for, like, you know, putting their movie out on streaming and when, because they lost money, right? Because they didn't get any money from the streaming, which kind of isn't, like, I don't think that is really representative of streaming versus theaters. It's more representative of, like, people not negotiating their contracts the right way or Disney not letting them renegotiate when things like that's happened. So it's not really represent. I don't feel like it's that connected, but I don't know much about it. So when I saw the news that I was, I'm so excited for Venom because it was coming out around October, which is my birthday. And now it's getting pushed to January. And I'm like, enough, enough is a fucking enough. Pardon my French, but like, stop, stop and release your movies and let people go see them. Like, I don't know. Unless we start having like a new like super super COVID, I get it. But like you're you're talking about a movie that's coming out in two months that you're already deciding to push right now. Fuck you, Sony. <laughs> yeah, I. It's it's there's so much to it that um, I don't understand, and I I just don't I don't know why they're doing it the way they do it, and how, who and how somebody makes that decision and why. I the I I will. I, I do have this question for you, though. Like, do you know how the HBO Max thing works? Like, how are they making money on that? Because surely they have to... They're getting charged something. They're, somebody's keeping the Well, their movies the don't ticker. stay forever. So, like, Suicide Squad, you can only watch for, like, two weeks before it's, like, only in theaters. They're just letting yeah. you watch it at first at home, right? But somebody's got to be paying for that. I mean, like, other than... I mean, obviously, you're paying for the subscription, well, but, Warner like, Brothers for example... Owns, Warner Brothers owns HBO, so... Yeah, they, they don't pay anything. They just are promoting their own movies. <laughs> like, you know. Oh, that's true, I guess. And so, I, but I just wonder if there's an like if HBO like somebody somewhere, some guy moneyballed this situation and did the math and was like, we will get this much increase in HBO subscriptions. This many people will. Oh, of cancel course they did. That's how all these the... things work, right? Like. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's impressive that whoever did the math realized that, like we're going to make this amount of money if we just go ahead and do it and make them free. And other people haven't even done that. They're not like, free. They're, like, they're not free. You have to pay for a subscription. Which well, you have to pay for the subscription. But, well, okay, but, 
But what I'm saying is that, but what I'm saying is that, like, there's a difference between that and the Disney one, for example, where you pay the subscription, but then their movie comes out, and you still have to pay. You have to pay an additional amount to see the. the but the difference movies. there is that that movie will be on there until it's actually free. It's not a limited release on HBO Max. Like HBO Max releases are like the first week or two of it showing in theaters, and then the rest of the time it's in theaters. It's not on HBO Max, unlike the Disney Disney ones where you can pay thirty dollars or whatever to see the movie to buy it early or wait until it comes out on Disney Plus later, but it's it's through the whole run of it in theaters, so you could pay thirty dollars anytime. It's like replacing your need to go to the theater, right? That's just the same thing as Amazon Prime's like pre access. Like they make you pay twenty to thirty dollars or to rent it. Well sometimes you can buy it. Like I I think I bought Pig the other day because I watched Pig finally. Um that Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah. And it's like pre-release access, so I don't know, each one has a different way to do it, and each of the models is probably flawed some way, but they are different. I don't know. They're not it's all hard the for same, me to... you know? Yeah, they're all, yeah. It, it, I just don't, it, it, I'm not smart enough to understand how the math works on all that, and the profit and everything. So, I mean, I, I do understand the argument of like, well, if we just release the movies on streaming, which I know this is not the initial argument, that's the delaying of the of theaters, but like, that like, I've thought about that before. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, normally if I was going to go with friends, then we would all be buying a movie ticket, which is, you know, $18 a piece or whatever. And if we're going to watch it at home, one person's paying $20 and we're all four watching it. So you lose three, you're losing a good chunk of money by just doing streaming because people are naturally going to get together and watch you're it. Not, not because you're they're trying assuming to cheat the that system. Every, that every person, like, eight, like, you know, more person see $18 from a ticket, right? Was they that, see like, a significantly lower portion than that. Like, uh, not the 100% of the ticket price goes to, straight to the company. Some of it goes, like, to royalties. Some of it goes... Well, that's true. To the that's thing. true. So, I mean, and and so that goes back wrong, to the, me not knowing the math. The math. Accurate. So yeah, we'll talk you're about right. It. I don't know the math. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to delve, delve into it if you're not sure what it is. But what's oh, your, no, you're what right. You, I'm not sure about the math. Yeah. Oh, no, it was just... It's just that. It's just that I don't fully understand the math. And so, like, I can't... It's hard for me to say, like... Why don't you just do this? Like, and I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking entirely to myself. Like, why don't you just release it on this? Or why do you keep delaying it? It's like, I don't understand the math. And somebody somewhere for HBO was saying, no, go ahead and release it. It's fine. And then somebody yeah. else somewhere is saying, don't do that. Aside, Delay it until, yeah. Don't be a dick about it. Like, just let your movie <laughs> come out and, like, let people, I, I'll, if you want me to go see it three times and pay for it, I'll do that. Like, just let me freaking watch your movie. Okay, Stop I have to, me, I have like, to say Hollywood blue balls. <laughs> I have to speak one more thing to this particular movie being delayed because I saw this random person on Twitter comment um, that it was getting delayed because it had to be after the new Spider-Man movie because there's some kind of correlation or something between okay. the two. And I was like, that makes a lot I was more like, sense oh, okay. than what I heard. It does. It does make sense, but then I'm thinking, wait. Isn't, uh, like, wasn't the Venom movie going to come out before Spider-Man anyways? Like, did somebody figure that out and go, oh, crap. Somebody switched their release dates. Like, I'm, I just, that, I got confused. And I'd... Well, it might be, like, one of those things where they add a stinger and it makes more sense. Or they, they reshot it after it got delayed. Or, I don't know. It, yeah. I don't want to talk yeah, about this whatever. anymore. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, so we have three, four trailers to talk about. Um, let's just go over the one of them first, because I don't know how you feel about the sadness, but it looks kind of like it. Uh, it looks very much like a lot of strange um, 
Is it Taiwanese horror that I've been seeing? Vietnamese horror? Like the Queen and the Black Lotus or whatever that movie is. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a remake. Yeah, Uh, the Black Queen. Yeah. And and the other one that's like kind of like Evil Dead. It's like the Evil Dead um, in Vietnamese or Taiwanese. It's on Shudder. May the Devil Take You, I think it is. Oh, yeah. Like that one in the sequel. They're really cool. I actually don't mind them, but it's it looks mm-hmm. very much like those. And this one's like touting it's going to be like the goriest movie. And I'm like, it, it, but it's not like it doesn't look like it's going to just like flex on Saw, which I thought was kind of interesting. It just looks like a straight up violent, like violent people 28 days later in each other. It feels like 28 days meets the crazies and the camera doesn't cut away. Yeah. Like right. it does in both of those movies. Yeah. And so I, I just it, it, like I have I've read quite a few reviews on this movie and it does sound like they have like gone into some. Uh, no, I think it's I think these are like pre-screens or mm-hmm. possibly festival circuit stuff, and the it's I mean they they've described some of the people have described some of the scenes and they're like no really it's just, it's really messed up like this isn't a raw scenario where it's like yeah that was kind of gross but why is everybody passing out in this movie? Oh man, and, I'm excited and, to see it then. I really like I. I I, I'm not like, you know, gratuitous horror is gratuitous, but then there's like over the, like there's further than that where like, it's like a, it's like an artistic piece of violence, you know? And I imagine if you're touting that and having people legit pass out and things like that, that you're, you're beyond the point of just like saw, you know, you're, you're getting very creative with it. You're showing things that like are either hyper-realistic or are very intricate ways of, of showing violence. I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm excited for it because I'm like, prove, prove it, you know? Like, yeah, I don't I don't get this, like, um, torture porn uh, saw vibe from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do Not get this, I do get this um, vibe of just like, this is going to be a gut check for oh, yeah. some horror fans. <laughs> for sure. And it looks so. very trained to Busani in terms of like some of the acting and like pacing of it. Like, it, it goes very yeah. fast. Like, expect it to escalate very quickly but i was yes, actually that was i actually vibe was gonna poo-poo on this when we started talking but now i, I think i'm actually excited before i talked myself into it <laughs> uh, uh the, the, okay let's i'm gonna move this other one up too because the last two i want to talk about in sequence a little bit uh night books is is a netflix is netflix does the thing where it takes in a young adult book and makes it into a horror movie slash series uh trope and to me, the night book looks like the page master meets um, the uh, the the moving the Howl's Moving Castle meets the Mortuary Collection. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Is it gonna? Is it like at first when I was first watching the trailer for it? Cause I I didn't really know what I was watching. Um, it, I was like, oh, is this gonna be like a little kid doing short horror? Like it's gonna be like almost Gremlins level short horror stories mm-hmm. like this will be really interesting and then it like becomes nothing about that as the trailer goes on which i which i don't have an issue with but like i was like oh man this is this feels like it's going it's diving into like stuff that we've talked about before of you know movies like uh uh like super eight and the first it and mm-hmm. the, stuff like that where it you've got kids but it's willing to go a little bit further on yeah. the horror angle and you know what i watched that does that that, the other day i watched clown again and it did that a lot where you know the dude's eating kids and it totally doesn't like it doesn't doesn't like 
he doesn't like eat the kids on screen, but definitely very clear that the dude is eating children. That that's yeah. what's happening. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, th- I feel like, I feel like it's got some potential to be something fun. Um, I'm always, um, looking for opportunities to, to be able to tell, because, you know, there's a lot of horror fans out there that are parents and stuff, mm-hmm. and they've got their kids growing up, and they're like, well, I can't watch anything with my kids. And it's fun to always get those opportunities to see the gateway horror stuff of, like, cool, like, this is something I could watch with my kids down the line. And to be able to recommend something that's good that, like, the parents can enjoy, too. Because there is a lot of it out there that is garbage. That, like, the parents yeah. have a really hard time sitting through it. Yeah, I agree, actually. <laughs> I like to see these movies flexing on um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Because that movie was not super good. But the nah. original content is. So don't get me yes. don't, don't get me wrong. Like, that movie just wasn't really well done. It's on the down slow slope of Camille Del Toro really just not picking the best movies to put his practical effects in. Um <laughs> but I'm really excited when movies flex on that because I think it's cool to see people taking stabs at these classic horror icons in terms of whether that be a story writer or a movie or director, right? Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to these other two. So the other two aren't, they're not related in any other way besides they're both kind of what I would call campy. Like the trailer makes it very clear that this movie isn't like a big budget movie, right? Like they're not, they're not malignant. They're not demonic. They're not underwater it's it's you're you're kind of look like you're watching like a three-star amazon prime movie but they both look really cool one of them is called the amityville moon and it's i was like what is this gonna is this just another thing in the amityville saga and maybe it is but it's it looks like a pretty dope werewolf movie (laughs) yeah it looks um i get this like kind of uh the howling vibe Mm -hmm. from it where it's got some pretty hefty camp to it but you, there's a scene in it where you can tell that they're like, hey, we know that the transformation scene is important in, in werewolf movies. Yeah. Like, it, it's like I get that feeling. They're like, hey, we made this movie because we know some people have missed the old school werewolf stuff. And it, I get that vibe from it. And I think it's definitely going to be pretty cheesy. I feel like there's a, a, a an inordinate, inordinate amount of uh, runtime of the trailer used on this, like, bar fight scene like it's roadhouse but i yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i was like why is like this is why i know this is not like a big budget movie because exactly they, they're like they don't they want to fill out a trailer but they don't want to fill out the trailer with all the action the, all the horror action in the movie and but then the next trailer kind of spits on that which i'm actually kind of sad but it looks kind of cool like yeah. i'm actually surprised you put this on here you put the next two on here actually because I wouldn't think you would be excited about a movie like this, like Amityville Moon, but it's right up my alley. Like, <laughs> I th- I think the main reason I put it on there was like uh, I had recently read. Uh, I don't remember what the article was about. Um, I think this was just a comment in the article, but it was basically talking about how uh, you can't like trademark um, titles, I guess. So people can go around like Amityville. Like, the Amityville Horror, Amityville, like, this, that name has weight in the horror community, but you can't trademark it. So, people can put it on anything so that they can pull in a little bit of extra people uh, because they recognize the name. And I'm like, well, that's a cheap ploy. And and so that was the first thought I had with the trailer. I was like, oh, it's another one of these. And, like, I, it was just, it made me think about that. And... 
and so and I don't want to bash the movie because I agree. I, I was like watching it. And I was like, actually, I like werewolf movies, and it looks like a lot of practical effects. So I'd be happy to give it a shot. Hey, but here. this movie in yeah. the trailer has no <laughs> CG in it. Like, yeah, I, I, and someone fle- that using that as is like a really cool like horror trailer flex nowadays for me because I'm like, oh shit, like okay, you're willing to like rest your laurels on the fact that you just have practical effects. Bring it on. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm all for that too. Yeah. If you're if you're willing to even if it's not grade A like. You're getting, you know, industrial light and magic, whatever, <laughs> um, to like do your practical effects. If you're willing to be like, hey, we're take we're we're putting our work into it, like we're gonna do this mm-hmm. in your trailer, then you're uh, you've automatically piqued my piqued my interest. Yeah, and the right next now. trailer uh, is a movie called It Came From Below, and this trailer had like a the legit amount of practical effects with our monster in it. Like, there was some CG at the end, but it was I think it was only for, like, the monster screaming to get some, like, distortion effects. So it wasn't, like, the actual monster itself being CG'd. But this whole, this monster is, like, it's, like, a crazy, like, yeah, underground monster. Obviously came from below, but... Yeah, yeah. I'll let it's, you delve it, into your your thing here with the descent and stuff. So, <laughs> well, um, one thing that was mentioned with it was that uh, it's like a low budget version of the descent, and I had always thought uh, I was telling Efrit that I was like, oh, man, I've always thought in the back of my head, I've thought about the descent being a low budget horror movie, and it made me kind of like dive into like what the threshold is, um, because I've always just kind of held this belief in my head that that's kind of a gray area, like it just kind of depends on. That, like, you can kind of tell. Like, that's always the way I've thought in my head. But I guess there is, like, an actual cutoff. That, like, technically, a low-budget movie is $2 million or lower. And The Descent was $3.5 million. And I was like, well, I guess that does kind of break my thought process on that. And mm-hmm. if I want to follow it legitimately, no, The Descent isn't. And this movie probably is. Like, it actually is a legit low-budget version, uh, supposedly. Yeah. And it, I do get that vibe from it. Like, watching it, uh, watching the trailer, but, you know, as we've said, going into practical effects and, and you're going to put a monster in it, you're going to get my, you're going to, I'm going to give you a shot. And so I, I yeah, I'm going to give this movie a shot. I think that that was interesting, though, the comment that you made about the CG, um, like, applied to, like, faces. And I, I, that's something that I've noticed in other movies before as well. Like, they go through the trouble of, like, building the suits and putting the detail into the face structure but then they don't have the budget for the animatronics to do like the whole predator face thing you yeah. know where you've got like 18 moving parts in the mouth and they don't have the budget for that so then in post-production they move s- stuff they put a little extra twitch in the muscles with the cg and that's something that you know i i can find some wiggle room on that like i totally understand like you put the effort into it and committed to the practical effects aspect but you just didn't have enough to be able to make it work where you could get some good movement. And and that's actually face. kind of like, I, I don't know much about all that stuff, but it feels to me like that requires a different set of skills than just creating a, like a 3d render monster and, you know, doing the same thing on it. Right. Like you're taking it's something true. that exists and you're modifying the, the overlay of the image or an effect or a distortion on top of it, as opposed to just taking the model and doing something on the models like top layer, but I don't know anything about it. So I'm probably talking about yeah. No, I feel like we've seen, um, I don't think you are, I, I think we've seen glimpses into some of this with, um, you know, so, some directors that have talked at, like, Telluride and stuff, 
and they talk about how they you know they put this much into the this effect and like you know quote unquote all of almost all of our budget was in this effect you know in this one shot that we did like i'm pretty sure the guys in Ter- terrifier were talking about that chainsaw scene yeah uh and they were just like this was pretty much our whole budget like in this scene you know their effects budget at least and it, it makes you it gives you kind of this glimpse into like you know a lot of these guys are their effects crew you know they don't have an effects crew and even if they did you know some of these guys do have enough budget for an effects crew there's different degrees of effects crews like some of them have that animatronics element some of them don't mm-hmm. and they have to do they have to work with what they have and i think the ones that do it in a clever smart way where they really think through their budget and really think of the way that they can yeah, show as much yeah. as humanly possible without it looking stupid we've talked about that, that those are the too. best like, that the challenge breeds inventive ways of doing stuff but yes uh, let's let's spend the last little bit of time here with my uh like pseudo review of of the night house so i i this i i've kept telling people as we were walking in the theater that would ask i was like i think this movie was at festivals am i right about that was it at festivals last year yes i believe so yeah okay okay and so like i think it was winning awards or something like that and i totally get it like so let me. I'll, I'll describe this movie in a sentence, and you can understand the impact that I, of why I like this movie so much. This movie was a non-let-down version of Secret Window slash Hide and Seek. Like, it deals with these human topics, and it, but it also interjects like the supernatural into them in a way that's very believable, and in a way that like it takes it and makes it into a very interesting movie. So, the premise of this film is that. At the beginning of the movie, you find out that uh, Rebecca Hall's husband has died. Basically shot himself, went out into the middle of the lake and shot himself, right? And so she's dealing with that. She's dealing with the fact that her husband, for apparently no reason, like, just went out there and killed himself. And so, like, you start dealing with that, and I can see why that people would think that's probably, like, a slow burn part. But even within the first, like, 20 or 30 minutes, you're getting into, like, some of this mystery. And you start to find out things, like, like, she's starting to, like hear things around her house and you you kind of get the clear idea that her house is like haunted and so she starts to kind of like investigate it one thing drives her to find her husband's phone because she got like a text from her husband in like a dream state she was in and she she's like okay i gotta check his phone to see if you know like he texted me or not and he didn't but then he she starts going through her, his, her pictures and like finds this picture she's just a little bit sus of and she's she's not sure but it's not quite her but it looks like her but it's not her you know and it starts driving down this path of like this crazy uncovering mystery that goes on and the way that they weave this like this mystery about what her husband was doing with this like supernatural element of like um the like the architecture of the house and the reasons he was doing things he was doing and like it, it's just this kind of really cool like Lovecraftian mystery you're figuring out as it's going along and at the towards the end she starts to have this like scene where she's like kind of half awake half asleep in this like kind of weird place and it just gets really nuts I, I don't know I, I don't really know why people were thinking it was just a what were you saying people thought it was a what um uh, people would refer to it as like just kind of like uh, I, I found a lot of people mentioning just it being kind of dull um I, and I don't basically, <laughs> this was this was the this was the overarching sentiment from almost every person. I think I only read one person that didn't feel this way. Uh, that it was an okay horror movie 
that was 100% carried by Rebecca Hall. Like, that, like, everybody was, like, her performance made this movie, um, some of them loved it because of her, some of them were like, I still didn't like it, but she was really good. Um, but that was kind of, like, the overarching sentence. Yeah, she did a great job. Um, also, I feel like maybe those people have never had to really deal with suicide in their life, maybe. Maybe they have. I shouldn't call people out like that, but it's definitely a heavy, like, people dealing with suicide movie and depression and things like that and it's done in such a way that's really relatable so i don't know i thought it was i'm probably gonna make my tops in this year honestly yeah that's awesome because like the when the uh, reviews were initially coming out from festivals last year it was one of my top anticipated movies coming out um with the way that everybody was talking about it and uh to hear that it's more because uh, one thing that didn't really come out in those that i remember uh, was that it being a character study and in, in, um, into that it was tackling um, a human element with like suicide and everything and I don't think that even though suicide is a fairly common aspect I would say in horror I wouldn't say that it's covered in a human hum, human way and this that isn't, I wouldn't say it's strictly covered in a human way there's definitely supernatural stuff in this movie it's not yeah a letdown no I mean like, like I mean like it's, in it's, the, I mean like in the like sense the uninvited of, you know like we're there's clearly supernatural stuff happening. Uh, it's just that it's to an end, right? It's to an end to deal with a human situation. Right? Yeah, I okay. mean more in like the sense of like the Babadook, where like the Babadook is a supernatural horror movie, but it's really about grief, like yeah, the... dealing with the loss of this husband. And like, so like it, you use the horror vehicle to drive home this element that like you can take home. But I think the Babadook I, I, did that it wrong. Sense. Like. <laughs> they they ended up in a spot that was too human instead of ending up in a spot that's like a, a good mix, you know. Oh, so this one does and like more of that good mix where oh, absolutely. Like, because I, that was something that I was worried about. Like, okay. Yeah. That that was but, something that I was worried about with this movie was that it was like basically at the end you're like, see, it was all symbolism for this. Oh, like uh, some of them end that. But way. I'm just too stupid yeah. to understand that. But like, there's <laughs> legit like, supernatural stuff in this movie, and there's some pretty messed up stuff that happens in this movie, too, like, as you start to uncover the story of the husband, it gets kind of really dark, and the things that are happening to him and the things that she didn't know about are, like, pretty cool, I thought. Um, I don't know, if you have a chance to go see it, I would definitely go see it, so. Cool. Yeah, I should try. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you know, let us know what you thought about the movies and trailers we talked about today. Let us know what you think about people delaying movies and, uh, you know, cool Candyman side stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. go look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> Don't do that. Bye. Bye. <laughs>